Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azov and Stefan Rosner. Oh, after a brief hiatus, the boys are back here. The back check on Belly Up Sports. It's season two, episode 11. Um, Brendan, this is Stefan, as always. And we got a lot to talk about. It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded an episode. The Islanders kind of starting to, to get back into form over those couple of weeks. The Rangers, nothing much has changed. They're still atop the Metro standings after a big win over the Leafs tonight. And a lot of things going on around the NHL that we have to dive into. So, as always, I'll kick it to you. How you doing today, buddy? How's everything going? I know you got a little bit of a congestion in that. Brendan, oh, uh, what is new? First off, for new people that are watching for the first time, I haven't been able to breathe my whole entire life. Finally. We, we thought you were getting this nose job, man. Okay, so I had a nose job scheduled. It is the Monday before my nose job on Wednesday. I was about to drop an F-bomb there. I test positive for COVID. <laughs> And you can't have the surgery if you have COVID. Asymptomatic. And um, though they keep calling me to reschedule, but for all those who don't know, I'm credentialed covering the Islanders. And the last thing I want to do is sit in the press box with a freaking, like I got knocked out by Tom Wilson. You know, I want to make a good impression. I want to walk around like just looking like a fool. And plus, I'd be in a lot of pain probably. So I'll wait till the end of hockey season. But in the meantime, that means, 
you know, I, you know, breathing over everything, not really my, uh, my rule I'm following here. It is what it is. I've done it for 20 plus years. Might as well do it for another one. Whatever. If only the Islanders had like a 13 game road trip where you could schedule a surgery and well, then you know, yeah. still Well, what's time. crazy is they, you know, with the new scheduling updates, they have some, they have breaks. They have a ton of games, a lot of games coming up. They have, we'll get to it in a little bit, but they have 11 back to backs in 55 games. Oof. In the last 55 games, 11 of them are back to back situations. That's disgusting. See, the whole schedule thing is messed up well, to me. Okay, you know, let's let's start with that. This is my whole mindset. First off, kudos to the NHL about the asymptomatic test, and we've been talking about that. If you are vaccinated, uh, if pause, pause, I'm just giving a round of applause because that's it's about time that they went to asymptomatic oh, testing. You're copying me, and I was like, I know that was a good no, segue. No, that's but... that's just something that's about time. <laughs> It just, it's honestly what I really think it is, is it's, you know, the song Blame Canada by South Park that almost won an Emmy or -hmm. Grammy, whatever it is. I don't know how those award shows work. They don't matter to me. Literally to a T. But this is this year because the NHL is, is pretty much blue balled. Let's just, let's call it what it is. They can't do what they want to do because Canada's rules. That That's just how it is. So I get why the NHL has done what they've had to do because, you know, they have a huge market in Canada. They have to follow Canadian rule. Now to me, you know, this whole delay of, are we going to delay games because in a couple of weeks the situation is going to get better? First off, it's not. It's not. That's not how it works. It's not how those viruses work for that's two years. That's literally how the virus started when we were in college. They said, "Give it a couple of weeks. You guys can come back to school." And yeah, I can't wait and we're sitting here two years later. We never went back to school again. I went back up to school for the we graduated what twenty twenty. See, with all this pandemic stuff, the years have intertwined. I'm just going to call the last years one year because people ask me, "Oh, when did you get vaccinated?" or "When did you get your sh-? whatever?" And I'd be like. I got it in May of March. I don't know what year. It was either 2021 <laughs> or 2020. I, I still have no idea. The only way I know is through that, that app that, you know, they make us download so we can get into places like the arenas. Yeah. But, but they, yeah, they decided to, we're going to delay games and hope that we'll reschedule them. But I feel like with Canada, you know, you're delaying the inevitable because you're getting to a point where, especially a team like the Islanders, and of course it's every team, you're talking about a ton of games in the last stretch. And I know a couple of weeks, I think it was the, right before the holiday break, Trot said, Listen, if we could play the games, we need to because it's not going to be fair to our the team, the players. Because great, they're going to play a lot of games in front of the fans. They're going to be exhausted. You're not getting the best effort from these guys. It's not fair to the fans that pay money to see it. Not fair to people that watch at home. That's for every team in the league. If you could play games, play them. The next day, that Monday's game is postponed. That Thursday game is postponed. We go on a break. The Islanders and the Islanders are in a situation where a lot of people are counting them out. And if you've watched the Islanders over the last couple of years, the last thing you do is count a team out. That's when they have 50-something games left. Okay, they have 50. Actually, I said 55 before. They have 50. Dead even 50. Yeah. So I think it's funny, though. People will count them out because, you know, this team is one of those teams that when you talk about resiliency and finding a way to get in and get to the dance and do whatever you want to do, make a nice dance move. I mean, that's been the Islanders the last couple of years. Now, last year they were in a safer spot, but they almost blew it at the end. The Rangers got hot. And it's like, uh oh, is this going to come down to like the last game? It didn't, but that's the situation. So kudos to the NHL for making this rule. And of course, the players have to be vaccinated. Most players are. What is there one player? Is it Bertuzzi still think, is the only I think player? Bertuzzi's the last one. Yeah. So okay, so he gets the short end of the stick. No pun intended. But um, oh, first off, we, before we get to what we want to talk about, the dry settle interview, Brad Marchant and the Carolina Hurricanes. Have you seen this stuff? First of all. Brad Marchand, okay, he's an absolute pest on the ice. And if you're not a Bruins fan, you don't like him. 
Sure, that's everybody that's good, doesn't get liked by their team. Sidney Crosby yeah. booed every time he touches the yeah. puck at MSG. But forget the fact that he's a hockey player that is really talented but plays on the borderline. This guy on Twitter Dude. is an absolute diamond. If you don't follow him, <laughs> you better start yeah. following him because he is chirping. The whole escrow chirp is genius. Oh, okay, wait, wait. So, okay, well, for people that haven't seen this, way to ruin the joke, Brendan. But anyway, so... Vincent Trocek of the Carolina Hurricanes was asked. I don't know who asked him. I think it was um, – they just asked him um, on if his game is similar to Brad Marchand's. He's a little pesty player. And Trocek, first mistake, he says, are you calling me a rat? Because, you know, everyone thinks Marchand's a rat. And then Brad Marchand from the top rope says it's like comparing a Prius to a Lambo. And he posts – he tweeted this. I'm pretty sure he took it down because I can't find it anymore. But he tweeted um, hockey reference side by side our hockey database. One of those pages of his stats and Trojek's stats, and of course, not even close. So the Hurricanes bodied the Bruins on Willie Arena. If that was ever a game the Bruins needed to show up and play a great game, that was it. So bad on their part. I, I happened to bet the Hurricanes and won a parlay for two hundred fifty dollars, and you know it is what it is. But the Hurricanes said L is for Lambo or something like that. And he responds, ah, oh, jeez. And he responds, I got to find it. I can't find the exact words, but he goes, you guys are the reason for like a 20% growth in escrow or whatever it was. <laughs> and Hurricane's Twitter just responds with, dude, we just tweet. <laughs> I think his tweet was, You're, you guys are the reason we still pay 20% and escrow. Yeah. <laughs> and Brendan, I know a couple of years ago when the escrow was a big talk with um, the half a season, whatever, you, you were a big key in that. So you want to explain to everyone what escrow is? So escrow is basically what the players are just put in. Like they have to take it out of their salary to give back to the owners to make them even. So for instance, when you're talking about COVID and all the lost revenue, the players still have to put money into escrow so that the owners can get compensated for it. So the reason that he's chirping the Carolina Hurricanes is because stereotypically their gate receipts one or low, and they're <laughs> yeah. not really a franchise that generates much revenue. So he's, he's kind of crazy saying you're a poverty franchise to the Carolina yeah. Hurricanes. Did you, oh, so wait, so there was a... It's so funny. There was a, a fake player safety tweet. Did you see that? I really have. I turned okay, off my so, notifications. I have not been on Twitter. So man. it said, player NHL player safety suspended Brad Marchand X amount of games for calling the Carolina Hurricanes a poverty franchise and something else. <laughs> and I was just, I was dying just because, first off, Hurricanes Twitter's got a job to do. I think it's been a little bit of overkill. They also tweeted a side-by-side of the Hurricane Bruins score as well as the uh, Patriots score said rough rough yep. couple of days you know it is what it is but, but I'm not sure i think more teams down. need to have that dude they do because we're in a day and age where like i'm not a hurricane you know i don't watch the hurricanes religiously they, i feel like the kings were the first team to really get on that social media they were funny then the vegas is first year they were hysterical seattle leading up to the expanded draft might be the best thing seattle did was their social media team because the team is just not doing well they really well, botched that ex- expansion as of now of course they're built long term so we'll see I don't know if you remember when the Chargers moved to LA. Hold on, hold on. Oh, they missed it on a two-on-one. Sorry. Oh, just to clarify, I got a, I got another big parlay, and I need the Ducks to win. So I'll continue. When the the Chargers moved to LA, yeah, they were. Oh, remember they, their, they logo their logo watch? They put the same Correct. logo. In. And yeah. and Tampa Bay tweeted, "I'm sorry, we're just friends," like that type of thing. <laughs> so when you have that interaction, right, especially yeah. for a sport like hockey, right, they switched over to ESPN. You got on TNT. So that's already growing the game, but now you're looking at it as 
that's the way to grow it. Everyone's on social media and Twitter is not the biggest platform, right? You got Instagram, you got Facebook, you got other things, but if you can have an active social media presence where it's not just posting scores or posting professionalism posts, chirp people, you know, go back at fans, do that type of thing. The engagement that they could create in hockey is huge. And that's how you grow the game. But before we we move topics to the dry saddle thing, you had mentioned the Islanders, they're, they're, uh, Five, 11 back-to-backs in the 50 games that they have left, yeah. that, that whole thing. So they're not out of it, right? I mean, we've had this conversation numerous times on the show, how the Islanders still have a shot. And, and it's not really that much of a long shot because of how many games they have to make up. They have eight games on the Rangers, right? I, the Rangers are the second-best team in the Metro. They're, honestly, they're, they're, re- they're really, you know, everyone's like they're chasing Boston. They're really chasing Washington. They, they are chasing Washington, and, and that's where <laughs> I was going. But – the Rangers, even though they're in first right now, are the second best team in the Metro. Carolina's a wagon. The Rangers yeah. play on Friday. The Rangers also don't be good teams. Hell of a game. I'm not even trying to be like a knock. The Rangers haven't beat good teams. They beat Toronto tonight. It's a good win. They have. They beat Florida. They beat Tampa twice. They beat Toronto twice. I mean, I don't know how many other good teams the Rangers can beat in this league before people stop that whole entire <laughs> spiel. But forget that. The Rangers have eight games in hand. Uh, the Islanders have eight games in hand on the Rangers. But the Rangers are 24 points up. So even if the Islanders won all those eight and the Rangers lost the eight, there's still a gap there. Of course. So you're not going to theoretically catch the Rangers. You're not going to theoretically catch the Carolina Hurricanes. The Pittsburgh Penguins, I believe, are more dangerous than the Capitals at this point. I agree. I agree. Especially with the way Jari's bounced back after a bad postseason. I don't trust the goaltender. Washington's goaltenders are solid. But I feel like, you know, it's questionable at times. I just, yeah, the Penguins, you look at them this year. Rodriguez, by the way, he, he's a stud. And Rodriguez nowhere. is a stud. Wasn't he on the, nowhere. I feel like he was he on was the Sabres, right? Yep. Yeah. Look what happens. You leave Buffalo and you become a, a godsend. No, but. <laughs> Everyone does. <laughs> yeah, you look at the first off. Like, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. I don't want to jump the gun. But, like, the Islanders beat the Devil. So, the Islanders have their last four games. They played the Devils, beat them. They played the Capitals and lost. They got shut out 2 nothing. And probably one of the worst passing performances I've ever seen. It was just a struggle. So Islanders really couldn't make passes at all. They couldn't even make D to D passes. Everything was in the skates. One of those nights where it's just an off night against a good team. It is what it is. Then they beat the Flyers back to back games. They score four goals in each game. Come from behind wins. You know, they haven't really, you're waiting for that Islanders game against a bad team where they just show that they're much better than their record. We haven't seen that. They've beat bad teams. They've beat some good teams, but there's no games where it's 5 1, 6 1 of just dominancy. Even against the Devils, they had to come back in the third period, and then they came back and scored a goal late to win that. So we're waiting for the Islanders to show, hey, we know we're eighth in the Metro in last place, but we're not an act. Because you look at the Islanders. Yes, you could complain about their roster being old. You know, it is what it is. You're going to complain about a lot of things with this team. But the one thing is that they have not played well, and they have certain guys that haven't played. And if you want to say that, well, that's a bad team, yeah, fine. This year they're a bad team. I think if situations were different, I think, you know, COVID, you can't make an excuse for the COVID. I think an excuse that could be made would be a 13, their 13 game road trip they started with. But at the same yeah. time, they didn't play bad on the 13 game road trip. I think they had a couple of games they could have won at the end of that to make it an even better road trip. But you're on the road for that long. It's not, it, you know, it's hard to win on the road, especially to start a season. But then at home, they drop games again. You know, you have the, the rosters in the league not deciding to cancel them. The league learned by, by what happened with their situation. That's tough. But if it's not going to come down to like, you can't look at each thing and say, that's the reason we didn't make it. It's poor play. And yeah. not having guys, you know, you give Kyle Palmieri a, a long-term deal and he has one goal. Bellows has doubled his point production in 
you know, like a couple of games, he already had more goals than him. So, you know, you have a lot of guys that hadn't stepped up. They're starting to turn the page, you think. And again, Trotz's biggest thing and what he has said is just get points. It's not about wins. It's not looking ahead and saying, all right, we have to win 10 of the next whatever games. He said the other day, it's not even about the games. It's win each period. And, you know, it's a mindset the Islanders have had because when they, you know, they're not a team that blows teams out. We just talked about it. They don't beat teams. They find ways to win and then get to the playoffs and their defensive play carries them. So now we'll see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to see because if the Islanders make this interesting, come the trade deadline, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because they have some pieces they can work with. But we'll get to that in a second when we get into them. But before, last thing before we go to the dry settle, because apparently we don't want to get to that. So... <laughs> I've been working uh, covering the Islanders for a couple of weeks, and one of the guys I've met is Tyler Brocious. Shout out to Tyler, social media manager for the Islanders. And there was one night I'm trying to finish my game recap, and I just hear, hear him dying laughing. Now I haven't seen the tweets, whatever he's talking about. And there's one tweet, and I'm, and I'm watching this video. It's something about a power rate, and I watch it really quickly. It's four seconds long. It's a girl jumping up like this. He's dying laughing. We're in the elevator talking about it. And I remember, I didn't, I didn't see in the video what he was referring to. And I'm dying laughing just because the laugh is contagious. I get home. I sit down to watch it. They, they, they pan over. The camera pans over to a girl, jumping up and down. But I don't see the kid behind him. The kid behind him opens up his Powerade bottle and pours it over his head. That's what they were dying about. But I was laughing just because he was laughing. Yeah. And so I get home. I'm talking about it. I was like, I just noticed that it's probably funnier. The next day, the Islanders win. And again, this is smart social media managing. The Islanders win, and he writes, mood. He controls the Islanders camp, mood. And it's the video of the kid pouring the dying oh laughing. God. We're just talking about social media. That, the social media link, get, it gets so many likes. And I just thought you were talking about social media and how teams have to be aware like that. Incredible job by Tyler there. But let, you know, let's let's get to this dry cell thing because, first off, the Mike Matheson that plays hockey, you know, Islander fans do not like him at all. You know, bad hit. He, he ended Boychuk's career. But he's been a dirty player. He's not a great defenseman, whatever it is. This guy, Matheson, Hall of Fame uh, journalist, I guess you would call it. Uh, technically. Whatever it is. So, Drysettle, clearly, Drysettle is not happy with the way Edmonton's playing. I don't think anyone on Edmonton's happy. We heard McDavid talk. He's become enemy number one, which, you know, it's a tough year for, you know, I guess we'll get bull backtrack. He was asked about Evander Kane joining his team, and he pretty much said, I don't care what anyone does off the ice. I only care about wins. And in an, any other year, people probably appreciate that just because Edmonton hasn't won and they need to score. But in a year where people turned a blind eye in a blackout situation during a sexual abuse scandal, the captain of the Edmonton Oilers, the best player in the league, probably should have chose better words. Clearly, he's frustrated. And what he was trying to say was, you know, my job is not to worry about Evander Kane off the ice. My, you know, I want to bring in someone that's going to help us win. But you got to say that in a much better way. I'm, I'm not even being, that's wrong for me to say at the same time. I'm not saying I agree with him. But, you know, not caring at all about off-ice issues. I, again, I know McDavid didn't mean it like that, obviously. You know, yeah. but we're in, a, we're in a day and age where people are very sensitive. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be if you're, you know, someone that, heard about the Blackhawks stuff or were, were, saw what was going on and you, you hear the best player in the NHL say that it doesn't matter about what happens off the ice, just about winning. That was the same mindset the Blackhawks had. So tough for that. And Oilers have been, oh my God, leaking oil, <laughs> if you will. They've, they've, been terrible. they've been terrible. So anyway, Brendan, so Drysaddle gets asked, you know, what does this team need to work on? And Drysaddle doesn't want to talk about his team. Now, that's not his job to say what they have to work on. That's the coach's job. And he responds with everything. 
This guy Matheson goes, "Why are you such in a pissy? Why are you in such a pissy mood?" And says, what, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "You know, every time I ask you a question, you're always just pissy. If I'm the guy that's in charge of PR for the Oilers, that's when yeah, tell that guy he's got it. He's done. First off, there's been a lot on social media about this. Now, Brendan, I think you follow in the same mindset as me, and I don't want to throw a journalist under the bus because I'm kind of getting to that field." But when you're trying to get an answer from a player and then you pretty much call him the P word, he called him pissy, but we know like, you know, we know what he was tr- implying there. That is not the way to get the player one to one ever talk to you again and two, give you the answer you're looking for. I think we can both agree on that was a poor choice of words there. I think he's just trying to agitate him. He's already a hockey well, oh, wait, But then like... after that, this is where it got interesting and where, where he crossed the line again. He goes, you know, you showed your frustration on the ice last game. Is it a good thing when you show your frustration? Just poking the bear. He hitting him across the head. Yep. And it's just, just I don't know. I, I, I don't think Drysdale handled it wrong. I think that's a question for the coach. And he was just trying to piss Drysdale off. And, again, if you're trying to get an answer from a, from a coach or a player, the last thing you want to do is piss him off. Yeah, it, absolutely. And you, you were – kind of hitting the nail on the head there when you talked about, you know, Matheson was poking him, right? And I think that Matheson at this point is an older guy. He's already in the Hockey Hall of Fame for journalism. So he doesn't have to be as perfect and and as, you know, clean cut and as pleasing to the players as some other people might be, as you would have to be starting out. So for him, he's, he's kind of upset that he didn't get the answer he wanted. Drysdale doesn't have to answer but, but he doesn't you know, have to answer the question. Th- that's true, and yeah, I get, I get it. Drysdale is paid to talk. The o- the Oilers are. He's having a terrible time right now. He because you know why? It's frustrating because he produces, and again, I mean, no, he's a defensive liability, but he produces. I've never produced on a team. I guess not as a goalie. I've had been on teams where I, it's pretty much me versus the other team, and if I don't play one hundred percent and get a shutout, we lose. Like tonight, we lost through nothing. Probably stopped 50 shots, but whatever. No big deal. But, you know, he's doing what he can offensively, and this team's not winning. That's got to be frustrating, especially at the NHL level, when you have the best player also on your team in the entire world. So I just think, you know, there's sometimes when you get asked questions, and if they don't give you the answer you want, guess what? Let's move on. Don't poke them. It's just, it's unprofessional, in my opinion, because I get it. You're a Hall of Famer, but. That means nothing to Drysdale. Drysdale doesn't care who you are. He was not going to answer anybody's question. That like anyone could ask that question. He probably says the same exact thing. And I don't know if players hold like you know. Does he have a grudge now? I, I bet he does. He's not going to want to answer any of their questions. And if I'm Edmonton's media, you got to have a talk with Matheson. Hey, listen, we we know your status. You know, you're a hockey Hall of Fame guy. You know. Don't do that. One, it makes the Oilers already look terrible, look worse because their star player is not answering questions. So, I think, yeah, I just I mean, don't get what what he was expecting there. You, you've well, lost the second what, nine of eleven. The second question, he wasn't getting anything. The second question was a direct result of him not answering the first question, and then the uh, reporter wanting to get back and make him look bad. It's just foolish. No, correct. But like, even the first question was like, "What do you have to do better?" Well, we lost all these games in a row. Drasilo says everything. I mean, that's pretty accurate. It's not a bad response, right? They have to score more goals. They have to play better defense, and they have to have better goaltending. What did you want him to do? Throw his entire team under the bus? I mean, guess what? Their head coach already threw their goalie under the bus, and they're 
and the the goalie responded, which Koskinen, you never want to see, you know, that's the, the locker room's a mess. But Koskinen responded with, "I can't score goals. I've got it. I've got a one goal support in his last like five games or whatever it was when he said it. Like once one player calls a player out, the next player is getting, you know, every, it's not going to stop. And then you're blaming each other rather than working on things, and it leads to disaster. And you know what's going to lead to? Connor McDavid leaving town the same way Gretzky did. I know the situation was yeah. way different. The Gretzky thing was pretty much they got an offer they. They thought they couldn't refuse. I mean, you're getting you trade Gretzky and you get a ton of players back. Kind of crazy. I always like to think about it. Just a side note is if Gretzky doesn't get traded to California, he's at, this is how it related. It's probably not connected completely, but if he doesn't get traded to California, Austin Matthews isn't playing hockey. You know that's you know you ever do like the five degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, or you whatever trying to associate things. <laughs> well, hockey wasn't big out west or Central, or anywhere in desert-type areas. So Gretzky comes over. Gretzky also coached the Coyotes, correct? Uh, for like a year. For a year. Hockey wasn't big there. So Austin Matthews plays hockey in a state where hockey's not big. Probably doesn't happen if Gretzky doesn't make hockey bigger west. I know they're Central Division, but I'm saying out west in that area. So that's unrelated. So anyway, this is this is IPs. We're getting a little off track here. I think we can move on from the dry soil incident. I think, you know, oh, yeah. don't. Don't do what Matheson did. All right, let's talk Rangers Islanders. I guess we talked a little bit about the Islanders already. Let's talk about the Rangers. I want to start it off because, again, I had I had a bet involving them, and good for the Rangers for my bet to win. But you look, I've listened to the radio, right? And who's the guy that does the Michael K show? Who's very good? Don LaGreca. Don LaGreca, fantastic. Who is the the Butch Goring to his? You know who is that? I have no clue. I okay. I because, haven't listened to a Rangers broadcast on the radio in a while. They have a couple of guys that wrote. I got to look it up because I'm listening oh, yeah. to the game, right? And Don LaGreca is, by the way, great, fantastic. Whoever's doing it next to him, every time there was a big play, he go ah ah to interrupt LaGreca. Like you wouldn't be able to hear what LaGreca it's was saying. Former player. Uh, I typed in Rangers and it brought up Texas Rangers. Oh. And I couldn't – I was I was better text you and just be like, who is working? And I couldn't couldn't text you because I was driving better than texting while driving is bad. I don't know who it is. I can't find it. Maybe you can find it. But um, every second, oh, Kreider, oh, Fox. And I was just like, who is this guy? You know, people roast Butch Goring for being a homer. And, you know, there's times, and he's admitted to it. But this guy, I, it just – he was a Ranger fan watching this, and he was interrupting Don LaGreca, and it was kind of getting on my nerves. Did you, did, I, I'm really – I'm looking it up to see. I can't find it. I It was honestly to a point where I thought someone would have to talk to him and be like, hey, can you uh, settle down? <laughs> I just – Was he just moaning? <laughs> no, but he – you know like when you're watching a game, you, you, you like jump out of your seat? Uh, yeah. That was every second. Uh, he was invested. Oh, I think it's all right. So I'm gonna. I might be a hundred percent wrong. I remember saying someone saying Stemkowski. Why, why can't we find this anywhere? It's a secret. This is why I have no clue who it is. Side by side with Don Lagreca during Rangers radio broadcast. You know, Google sometimes is a you know what because you type stuff in. First off. Of course, only Michael K. Show comes up. Ah, uh, jeez. I don't know. Nobody wants to say. It's well, a secret. 
either way, while you're looking up, I, I believe it's Pete Stemkowski, but there's an essence to the Rangers right now that is, is kind of nice. They, they're just winning. I mean, they're, they're winning hockey games. They're good. They're at the top of the Metro division, 56 points in 40 games. I would have never pictured that. You got Chris Carter with 25 goals. You got Zabanajad is finally getting hot. Panarin's coming off COVID protocol. He hasn't found his game yet, but they're still winning. But Igor Shesterkin is is literally just a continuation of Henrik Lundqvist. No, no. Henrik Lundqvist is a continuation to a higher level than Mike Richter. Think about what the Rangers goaltending. I I just put that article out. Mike Richter to Henrik Lundqvist to Igor Shesterkin? Are you kidding me? Well... I know that this might piss off any older fans that are listening, but Henrik Lundqvist was 20 times better than Mike Richter. No, no, I know. But Mike Richter was good. Mm. He was good. Never won a Vesna. No. Like he, but, but he was a great goalie, and he did what yeah. he had to do to get the Rangers he had a good Cup. Te- he had a good team in front of him, too. If you put Lundqvist on those teams, they, went they were cups. winning cups <laughs> after cups. But you went from Van Beesbrook, who was considered a good goalie and won a Vesna, to Richter. To Lundqvist, who was arguably the greatest goalie of his generation at that time, yeah, and the best was, Ranger goalie in history. Because I feel to, like he's a little bit. I feel like he's a little sorry. bit after Brodeur. So you know, they always have that comparison. No, they're Brodeur, they're a different generation. Brodeur dominated yeah. at a different time. Brodeur was there when the Rangers won the cup. Like he was around in the nineties. He was around early two thousands, and and then he retired. So Lundqvist came. He got drafted in two thousand. Didn't start until two thousand five. So they're they're a different generation or years, whatever. But you, you look at what they have in goal and it's just nuts. And and you mentioned the elite teams. So I'm I'm going to prove a point on our show. I can't find it, by the way. I gave up. Continue. Let's just say Pete Simkowski. Uh, Who are the elite teams in the National Hockey League? Top, whatever. Okay, Florida, Toronto. Rangers um, beat, Rangers Car- beat. Carolina. Haven't played Colorado. yet. Colorado. The Colorado, Colorado, they have lost too badly. I want to say Vegas, but they have a lot of injuries right now. But we got to count Vegas in there. Okay, so Vegas, they lost in a shootout, and then they lost when they were in COVID protocol on a road trip. So I know I'm blanking on one more team. Um, Tampa Bay, they swept on back to back. Honestly, I hate to say it, like Nashville and St. Louis. I guess they're at the top of the Western. St. Uh, Louis, they haven't the played. Nashville, they split. That's probably you're talking about the top top teams. You're you're going you're going Vegas, Colorado. I mean the the teams that are actually on top, which is kind of crazy. We never really, you know, it doesn't always get like that. But you got Lightning, Florida, Toronto, Hurricanes, Avalanche. That'd probably be my top four or five. Or so the Rangers. I don't, have I don't lost, think the Rangers are there, but yeah, the Rangers haven't lost to uh, the Rangers have lost both to Vegas and Colorado. Outside of that, they've beaten Tampa Bay for twice. Those games? Um, Vegas, I don't really, I don't really count. Any, I don't really count any game that Sturkin doesn't play because, again, you're no. talking about when you get to like a playoff. Sturkin's playing every game. Yeah, Vegas only played Georgiev, and um, Colorado played Adam Huska and Georgiev. So no, they, neither of those teams face. It's a different. It's a different game if Sturkin's in there. You know Correct. that. We all know that. Yes. So the Rangers have beaten Tampa Bay twice. They've beaten Florida. They've beaten Toronto twice. They've beaten Boston. They've beaten Nashville once. This is this so year. I, this is all this year. So, so why, realistically, is there, why is there a talk that they don't be I, good? I don't know. I really I, don't I know. Stat though, I wasn't making it up, and I'm obviously making fun and poking. No, fun. They're below 500 
against those elite teams because they've lost their own well, four against Vegas and Colorado. I was going to say, technically, though, the stat wasn't – the stat was teams in the playoffs. So the Rangers lost the, – the, but the Rangers probably beat the really good teams and lost the other teams that are in the playoffs. So, but, but where I'm like, that was also it, it doesn't though. make sense. They've survived a Shesterkin injury for a couple of weeks and COVID. Oh, I'm not again, we just talked about so, it though. Any game that Georgiev started, I mean, come on, Shesterkin's not even close. Correct. So, what I'm saying is like that ideology where they can't beat elite teams is kind of a myth at this point, especially with who they've beaten so far. It's opposite for the Islanders. The Islanders can't beat the good team. They're struggling to beat the good teams and they can't really put away the bad teams. It, so now you go to Friday, and, and that's a huge game against Carolina. If the Rangers can, it's so funny. The Rangers have a huge game against Carolina Friday. Islanders have a huge game against the Arizona Coyotes on Friday. Well, the Islanders have to beat everybody. I, I mean, it's, it's gone to a point where every game is a must win, and that's to. how it's going to be. They have to what win? I would say eighty percent of their games. Seventy-five percent, eighty to get to like over a hundred points. I think it is one hundred and two. Uh, that's, that's not I mean, my strong suit, brother. So I, I don't even try. I'm but not even see, doing you say, that. you say it's a hard, which it is. It's hard to do. Guess what? They're gonna have to rely on again for the third straight year. A streak, and that's gonna. It's the how this team is built. They go on hot streaks. They go on cold streaks. But the hot streaks get them in. They have a stretch of I think like ten games at home or nine games at home where they keep legitimately looking at who they're playing again. You know, nothing predicting does nothing. They could legitimately win 10 in a row. The problem is they're going nowhere if they don't start playing their game because, like I said, they've gotten wins lately over bad teams where they haven't played 100% their game. And if that's what they're built on. They don't score enough goals. They do have back-to-back games with four four goals. But, again, the Flyers are disaster. What are the Flyers? Eight or nine in a row now they've lost? They're, they're terrible. They're getting into Oiler territory. Ugh. I think so, we had a bet actually at the, at the beginning of the year, Brendan. We talked about who would have a higher same percentage, Martin Jones or Carter Hart. And I'm pretty sure I said Carter Hart. We could go back and look, but I just want to look up right now what what, what it's at. Because not that the Flyers' goaltending is the issue, it's definitely not. It's their defense and Keith Yandel, nicest guy in the league. Um, wow. Carter Hart by a mile. Yeah, I'm sure it is. 2.93, Martin Jones 3.31. I mean, we talked about it. And we, we, we talked about how. That signing made no sense. I guess it was cheap enough that it wasn't like a crazy thing, but if you want Carter Hart to bounce back and learn from a, a veteran goaltender, Martin Jones has been on the decline since San Jose has been to the, what, the cup pretty much? Yeah. Not the cup. <laughs> yeah, it was the cup. Um, no, the after that. conference finals. Conference finals, yeah. Yeah. They've been on the decline. He's been on the decline since then, and he pretty much got outplayed and lost his job in San Jose. So I think for Hart, who had a, a tough year last year, the last thing you want to do is bring in a goalie that just been on the decline, but I guess what it is, what it is. But actually, I was talking to a Devils fan today before hockey, and you know, I I talked to him about Mackenzie Blackwood and how you know I look at the Devils and they're a solid team, and Blackwood's a solid goalie. And I said, well, you got to look at this division. How many good goal, good goalies or great goalies are in this division? A whole lot. The mm-hmm. Devils are a team that actually need a guy like Martin Brodeur. This is a Devils team that's solid, and the only way they're going to win is if they have outstanding goaltending. And Mackenzie Blackwood, at this point in his career, is not one, so that's going to limit the Devils' ability to ever be a, a threat because they could have the great players, but their defense isn't strong enough. They got some pieces. Hamilton being hurt kills them. But this is a Devils team that needs a 
ridiculously talented netminder. And I don't think Black. I think Blackwood's a solid goalie, but a division full of teams that have elite goaltending, it's gonna be very tough for the Devils to bounce to to ever be a threat. That's just my opinion. I would agree, and I mean, I think we saw that tonight, right? I, they got out, they outshot um, Arizona thirty-eight to seventeen, and I don't know who was in goal, but they lost four to one. So no, was, yeah, I think I'm, pretty sure it was Blackwood. I'll pull it up right now. Let's see. Well, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna look at it. Was Blackwood? It was Blackwood versus Vegmelka, or however Veg, you say that guy. That guy Vegmelka, by the way, I, filthy, filthy. The Oilers should try to acquire him. You know, the Oilers should actually try to acquire him. Semyon Varlamov. Who would you want? No, this okay. Uh, let's let's talk Islanders now. I guess we'll move on. So, I personally believe that they're not going to move Varlamov just for the fact that there's a team that's going to have to rely on tandems. It just Sorokin has proven to be a legitimate um, number one. I don't think it's clearly simple. But the Islanders have eleven back-to-backs, like I t- talked about. You need you need a back you need a, a worthy backup because he's gonna have to play and right now Varlamov and Sorokin have been outstanding each of them in their last five games has been great they're both playing the other day you know Varlamov may have allowed like a weaker or two goals ones that he wants back he went nine rounds in the shootout he didn't give up a goal he didn't give up a well, goal there was no skill in that shootout no yes now- but you're t- Okay, let me let me hold on before you go. Let me Before fine, that. go back to the there is there period. is skill there was in the no shootout. Skill. There was but no skill there. Everyone kept doing the same thing over and over again. It was like poking a dead horse. But Varlamov's glove was very good. And very over good. time he made big saves and you need your goalie. See the, I think the biggest thing about Varlamov's game is he he's always good. He was good last year. He had a fantastic season. I mean his record at home and his stats at home is unreal. Seven shutouts to lead the NHL and then he was phenomenal. He helped them beat the Boston Bruins in the playoffs after Sorokin dominated or not dominated. His stats are all right, but he made those big save and big moments to beat the Penguins. Now, this year, Varlamov was making great saves, but when they needed that big, timely save, he wasn't making it. He's done that lately, and they've both been fantastic. But Varlamov is a moderate no-trade clause. He's got a, you know, that means he has to put 16-team no-trade list together. Again, I don't think the Islanders are going to move on because if they're going to do that, they need to sign or trade for a capable backup. So it doesn't make sense. But if they were willing to trade him, I don't know what I want from Edmonton. It would be majority a cap dump, definitely draft picks, because, you know, he's got a year left on his deal after this. So I think I think there'll be calls for him, especially with how well he's playing. By Again, it also depends where the Islanders are. Personal belief is that the Islanders, by the deadline, are completely out of it. You trade Varlamov because he did what he needed to do. His whole, you know, not the whole thing, but signing him, was to get Sorokin to come over, make Sorokin's life easier, teach Sorokin what it's like to be an NHL starter, the language, help him out, get and make him be the number one for the Islanders for the next 10-plus years. He's done that. He's done that sooner than his contract, and Verlomo's played well. So I think Verlomo's contract has been fantastic. He's done exactly what he needs to do, and more. Nobody thought he'd play like a Vesna candidate last year. I know he didn't win, but you know he was phenomenal. So I think if the Islanders are out of it, clear the cap space that Verlomo's contract brings, Again, though, you're going to have – like, you want to ride – you don't want to kill Sorokin, but you want to ride him. If this is going to be a developmental year and the Islanders are actually out of it, they're going to move on from some guys. And they're going to let Sorokin learn and grow as much as he can. That way next year he's red, you know, ready to go, red hot, sharp enough to be a complete number one for the first time in his career. But if I'm a betting man, which I guess I am now legally so we can talk about it, I think the Islanders are going to be involved 
I don't know if they're going to be so much buyers. I don't think they're going to be sellers, complete sellers. I think they'll be in a place where if they do good things, they can make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be, they're going to be out of it by March. But with these stretches coming up, you know, a, a 10-game losing streak puts them out of it. So I think it's yeah. it'll be interesting to see another player that, you know, really, I, you know, I talked to some players and some people in the press box about it, is Keeper Bellows. He's played well as of late. The last couple of games, he's looked shaky. They put him on the top line with Barzal. That was a disaster. And I think they're showing him off for the deadline. This was a B-level prospect at best, and he's turned it up this year. And I think they're keeping Wallstrom with Pajot and lower down the lineup because they don't want people calling and saying, well, we want him. Because first off, I think I kind of think Wallstrom's untouchable at this point. And I think you could move on if you trade Bellows and a, a couple of draft picks. You might be able to get that elite sniper the Islanders needed. So we'll see. It's really, you know, the whole Palmieri contract's hurt because he's got one goal. He's not playing. He's still hurt. He's on IR. He's been back for over a month now practicing. I've seen him at practice. He looks he looks healthy. Trot said a couple of days ago that he got to like 75, 85%. And then he plateaued. Now, I don't know if that's a health thing or a mental thing, but he hasn't gotten better. So the Islander, you know, Trot's even said it's probably really frustrating for Palmieri. He's not getting better. So I don't know what that technically means. Does that mean that he can't get over this injury or mentally he can't get back to the game he had? I don't know. But you can't trade Palmieri. One, he signed long-term and he's he had a terrible year last year. Let's call it what it is. Until the playoffs where he scored seven goals, right? Or nine goals. I think it's seven. Seven, I think, yep. Seven goals and two assists. You know, he, he did nothing in his time with the Islanders after the deadline. He did nothing with the, uh, the Devils. And then this year, it's been tough. So you're talking about a player who's 30 who has been a, one of the most consistent goal scorers in the NHL over the last six years. Had a bad year last year. He hasn't been able to be healthy. He's having a bad year this year. He's got time to turn it around, but it's been bad. He's on the decline. If he has a, if he has a bad year next year, he's on the decline. There's no value. Who, you know, is someone going to take it? Could someone potentially want Palmieri for a playoff run because they saw what he did last year after a tough year? Potentially, but again, with the injury, when is he coming back? That makes things very tough, and I, I don't know if there's much value. Would I personally trade Palmieri? I wouldn't because you're trading low. I don't mind him not playing right now if guys like Bellows are producing. It'd be one thing if no one was producing and Palmieri was, you know, you need a Palmieri and you're in trouble. Yes, the Islanders' offense has been brutal this year, but they've been better. But right now, you know, even if Palmieri's healthy, should he be in a lineup? That's the other thing. But the way Bellis is trending and he's struggled the last couple of games, if that continues, then it gets worse. But, you know, I think it's just – it's it's very interesting. Yeah, it really is. And, I mean, the Islanders and Rangers, despite being in different spots in the standings right now, are kind of in a similar boat when it comes to the trade deadline. Um, cause when you look at the Islanders, right, you just mentioned Bellows, you mentioned Palmieri, you mentioned these guys, Varlamov, especially that's where the parallel really is, is Varlamov to Georgiev, right? Do the Rangers want to break up their quote unquote tandem, even though it's really, it's just Sterk and show. Do they trust Kincaid enough to move Georgiev who's in a contract year and try to get something back for him? Do the Islanders trust Sorokin enough to, or their their AHL goalies or third string and Schneider enough to move a Varlamov and try to get something back in return so that they could boost a run. Um, there's a lot of parallels there. And I mean, Jacob Chikrin's a name from Arizona who's being floated around a couple of the contending teams. Any team that's looking for a boost is going to look at Chikrin. And, and when you look at the Rangers, right? Can Miller be on the move? Yeah. Can Nils Lundqvist be on the move? Yeah. 
Could a Georgiev be included? Yeah. Should a first round pick be included? Absolutely, because they obviously can't draft you don't, the first round. <laughs> yeah, so you don't need him. I, I personally would put Kako in that deal a hundred times out of a hundred. I have no desire to keep Kako Kako anymore. I don't care how much criticism that gets me. He is doing absolutely nothing. He is completely unnoticeable. They already have their forward group that they're going to keep. They they signed them all long-term. You can keep Strom. You can avoid cap hell if you just let Kako go. You're going to have to pick who you let go. Keep Lafreniere because he's shown a little bit more. Oh, Kako has been great defensively. Whoop-de-doo. We drafted a third-line grinder, number two overall. How about you move him? Get rid of him. I think it's time that you move on. You're going to have to pick a couple of these players you move on from. Kako and Edel are the two that I personally would say sayonara to. You bring people in that know what they're doing, that they can either have some cap flexibility long-term. Maybe you try to call up a couple of guys. I think Morgan Barron's been great on the face-off that. I think he was winning 66% of his draws. Give him a chance. But the Islanders are in the same boat. If Bellows has really been the better player over Palmieri. So if you can't move Palmieri and you're forced to move Bellows, does that really make you better overall as a team when you don't know who you're going to get back? And they've tried the route of getting veteran people. Is that really the route that they can continue to go? Because Parise, as good as he's been in all other aspects, hasn't provided the offense. Palmieri hasn't provided that. Your Green's getting older. Char is getting older. So the team just keeps getting older the more they keep adding. So realistically, yeah. the only way they can get better is if they add younger. Well, I think, you know, you talk about Chitrin. First off, to me, why, you know, if I'm Arizona – why are you moving on from this guy? If you're talking about a rebuild, I mean, that's your center. I just, it's tough because you look at, you know, they got rid of Ekman Larson and that kind of needed to happen. And Larson has been great. You know, he's past his prime. But Chitrin is so good. He's such a good hockey player. He's very underrated. I mean, there's been whispers about Klimberg Islanders being on a short list potentially for him. I really think if they're going to trade Bellows, they're going after a defenseman. I don't know if they could get a guy like Klimberg. I, I don't know what it would take. But you talk about them being old, and I agree. But after this year, Char, Char is done. Is Anna Green done? Sure. Robin Salo, who's stepped up and been phenomenal. Phenomenal. You have Boldick in the minors. You know, when is he going to get his chance? He's finally back. I'm pretty sure he was hurt for a while. He scored his first goal in, in a long time the other day. But you look, Kiefer Bellows, Oliver Walsh, Mavili is not old. Barzal is not old. Uh, Pajot's maybe 30. I think he's 29. That's what I'm saying. Their core is that young. You have to surround that core with, with people young. who are going to well, be yeah. there. And it's so interesting, too. When you talk about – it's so funny how, you know, regular season hockey is all about – hold on one second. What if – off the post. Sorry, again. Back to that Ducks – needing a Ducks goal here for a hedge. Um, anyway, when you talk about the NHL, it's – the regular season is so, ble- so based on speed, young, skill. It's and then you flip it to the postseason, and those teams that have the speed, the youngsters, and the skill lose. They lose every time. It's always the veteran, old-fashioned, defensive-minded hockey that prevails. It's crazy because it's the only sport that I could think of where there's such a difference between the regular season and the postseason. Because I know what you're saying. Until the Islanders get really, really young, they're not dominating anyone. But when you get to the postseason, having Chara on the back end, Andy Green, having a core that's older, and Anders Lee, who's who's been there before, and you know older veteran players, those are the teams that win. Look at Tampa. And yes, Braden Point's young, but Tampa, Hedman's older. I mean, they're not, they're not completely young. They have a lot of depth. Depth's the biggest thing. 
a lot of the teams like Toronto, so young, so talented. They play zero defense. They lose in the first the rare round every year. Why? Same thing. The Rangers when they went to that bubble cup against uh, bubble uh, hockey against Carolina, very young team. They got shellacked. You know, it's crazy That's different. The Rangers that year were an outlier. What did say? Because the oh, Rangers that year yes. were an outlier because they had no business being there. In no, the but place. but we're talking about how young teams just. It's crazy that in the postseason, you don't want a young team. You don't. You want a, de- a team with depth. And right now, you talk about it. Parise, you know, it, it, it hurts to watch because Parise has pretty much done everything you can ask. And he just hasn't scored. Like, he, he's getting bad breaks. The, the, the work ethic of, he, you know, him and Zizekas just work ethic. Zizekas finally has goals, two in his last two games. Fourth line looks better. Uh, you're still trying to find someone to play with Barzal. It's been an issue for years. And kind of, you know, I hate to bring it up, but. You know, same issue that Tavares had. He didn't surround Tavares with talent enough, and it was all about him having to be the guy to produce. And when he didn't produce, the Islanders lost. And when he produced, the Islanders won. And he came up with big moments in the postseason. And you don't want to get to that point with Barzal because you get to the point where you have to think about, all right, in a couple of years, you know, do, do we trade Barzal? Do we let, you know, we, we've waited so long to surround him with talent that what's the point? So Tavares left, and, what, you know, you don't know what would have happened, but. It's kind of crazy just the, the way the NHL works today. And I think, yeah, you need these guys to produce. And for the Islanders to get back in this thing, they can't rely. Their goaltending has bailed them out the last couple of games. Again, against weaker teams. You got to find ways to start dominating bad teams. And then when you play good team, putting together valiant efforts. Because they haven't had that yet. And if they want to win and get to the postseason for, you know, get the postseason again, the depths have to start scoring. The fourth line has goals in back-to-back games. Like I said, it's Ezekiel. The second line starting to produce a little bit. You need it. But the problem is the Islanders are so defensively based that they don't care if they beat a bad team 2-1. They beat a bad team 2-1. They beat a team 2-1. They got two points. That's all that matters. And that's great. And your defense needs to win. But, you know, when you don't score goals, you put a lot of pressure on your defense. And the discipline has been an issue. They continue to take penalties. And they, they were perfect in the game against Washington. And then the game against the Flyers the first night, but in the second night they took a penalty and it cost them. It tied the game up. You know, you put you're putting so much pressure on your PK. And I feel like people don't think about this enough. Is that when your penalty kills out all the time, if they're perfect, fantastic. Matt Barzal isn't on the penalty kill. You know, you're usually your top scorers aren't on the penalty kill. So when you're always in the box, their ice time's cut. When their ice time's cut, they can't make a difference. And I think that's very that's overlooked completely at the NHL. I feel like not enough people talk about how. It's great. Your penalty kill stopped five of, five in the game. You should praise that. Yeah, great job by the penalty kill. But you got to stay out of the box. Your best players are on the ice when you're in the box. And for an Islanders team that was pretty much top-heavy scoring-wise, you, you need them out on the ice. So yeah. I think the Islanders are going to have to find a way to get that depth scoring. I think it's starting now. You need the fourth line to be the identity line. They're starting to show that. And it's going to be an uphill battle. You're digging in yourself out of a major hole. Like I said, when we started the show, is this is an island team that's built on streaks and a team that finds a way. So it, it would be it would be illogical and uneducated to say that they're done. Now, if you call them done right now and they don't make the playoffs, you could say I told you so. Sure, but if you watch the Islanders play and the way they've played over the last couple of years and the ability to go when they get hot, they get hot. You can't count them out till they're mathematically eliminated. You can't, and I will say that they're not eliminated by any stretch of the imagination. I think that, you know, as much as some Islanders fans might hate listening to what I have to say on the show sometimes, I have been pretty, you know, consistent on, on saying that they're they're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination. And just going back to Jacob Chicken real quick before we close everything out is, 
23 years old. So, like, if the Rangers were going to go after well, if he's him, he's 23. That's what I'm mode. saying. If he's 23, what are you moving on? He's, I, he's I a minus it. 29. I, yeah, but he's on a terrible team. Correct, but they they I realize I think that in order for them to get past this, they have to clean house. Well, they met, they they can't pull what bad teams have pulled in the past when they make trades and bo- like they can't do a Sabres botch job because you're trading legitimately. Guy, it's a guy that's going to go to a team and he's going to be a, he's going to be an elite player. He could. Potentially win the Norris one day. Like he's going to turn it around. He's on a bad team, so they can't. I mean, they got to get everything so they can. Perfectly with the Rangers. He's a lefty. Yeah. That's the one side they need, right? You have Schneider, you have Truby, you have Fox, you and you're right. You like Nemeth? No, <laughs> I don't. But the Rangers, if they were able to get him, I'd be very content. But when when you look at the landscape of the NHL, there's a lot of teams right now that you mentioned are, are still in contention. You have yeah. the elite upper echelon of, of the top tier, and it always happens that way. But the Islanders are by no means worse than anybody who's in contention right now. Oh, and they have the games to make it up. So every game is a must win for them, and they really have to act like that. And if there's one team that can do it, it is the Islanders. For the Rangers, they have to go into Carolina and send the message. If they lose on the road in Carolina – that's okay, but you have to make it a game where it's like, okay, people realize you're for real. So that's a huge game for them. They, they're going to play a ton of home games second half of the season, and I think that they'll be able to not only make the playoffs, but they have the ability to give themselves a seed at home where they could have you know, a best out of seven at MSG, at least in the first round, which is huge for that team. So when you look at a team that last year for the Rangers had 27 total wins, they have 26 already through 40 games. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's a wild turnaround. So good for Galat, good for the Rangers, and the Islanders have a chance. And that's really all you can ask for. And the next time that we come out on the back check, you never know what those standings look like. So you're going to want to stay tuned. You're going to want to check in and listen every single week. We're going to try to get back on the regular groove of things. But from Stefan and Brendan, this has been episode 11 of the back check, and we look forward season to two. Season 2, episode 11. Season 2, episode 11 yeah. of the back check, and we look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 